Good morning, and if you have your Bibles, please turn with me to the Acts of the Apostles. I'm going to read from chapter 16, and I'm going to read from verse 25. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open, and everybody's chains came loose. The jailer woke up, and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, Don't harm yourself, we are all here. The jailer called for lights, rushed in, and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him, and to all the others in his house. At that hour of the night the jailer took them and washed their wounds. Then he immediate, then immediately he and all his family were baptized. The jailer brought them into the house and set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole family. When it was daylight, the magistrates sent their officers to the jail with the order, Release those men. The jailer told Paul, The magistrates have ordered that you and Silas be released. Now you can leave, go in peace. But Paul said to the officers, They beat us publicly without a trial, even though we are Roman citizens, and threw us into prison, and now do they want to get rid of us quietly? No, let them come themselves and escort us out. The officers reported this to the magistrates, and when they heard that Paul and Silas were Roman citizens, they were alarmed. They came to appease them and escort them from the prison, requesting them to leave the city. After Paul and Silas came out of the prison, they went to Lydia's house, where they met with the brothers and encouraged them. Then they left. Well, let's just pray before we look at this passage together. Our Father, we do thank you again that we can gather and we can gather around your word. And we pray that as we do this, that you will speak to us through it, that we might be encouraged and that we might be challenged. And we ask these things in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Well, how's your week been? Would you say that it's been a good week or a bad week? In Paul's letter to the Romans, he said this, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. We find that in the book of Romans, it's chapter 8 and verse 28. And Paul could say this. Why? Because he's speaking from experience. You see, Paul had been trained in the scriptures as a Pharisee trained by the well-known teacher of his day, Gamaliel. He started out as a young man with a promising career ahead of him, an easy life, a life of position and popularity in the joyous community. You see, this is what awaited this young man, Paul, until, until he met with Jesus on the road to Damascus, at which point his life was changed. How much did it change? Well, we get a good idea if we go to the letter of Corinthians, 
It's 2 Corinthians, and we read a passage there, and it starts at verse 11. And within those verses, this is what Paul tells us. He tells us that he's been in prison many times, flogged five times to the point of death. Three times he's beaten with rods. He was pelted with stones. Three times he was shipwrecked. He spent a night and a day in the open sea. He's been constantly on the move, in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from his fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, and in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false believers. He tells us that he often went without sleep. He knew hunger, he knew thirst. He had been cold and he'd been naked. And beside everything else, he tells us that he faced the daily pressures of his concern that he had for all the churches. Well, this sounds that he had more bad days than good days. But he could still say this. We know that in all things, that is, in all things, God works for the good of those who love him who have been called according to his purpose. You know, this is a verse that is so often misunderstood and misquoted. But Paul qualifies it. We need to look and listen to what he's saying. He says, in all things, God works. So it's God who's working. And then he goes on, for the good of those who love him. Who are they? Who are those who love him? Well, those who have been called according to his purpose. That is, God's purpose. And what is God's purpose in all this? God's purpose is that none should perish. As the Apostle Peter tells us in his letter in Second Peter, you can find this in Second Peter 3 and verse 9. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he's patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. You see, that those are those who have come to God through the power of the blood that was shed on Calvary's cross by Jesus. You see, those like Paul, who on the road to Damascus came to know Jesus as his saviour. And the good that came from these things are that Paul and others would not perish. You know, last week when we gathered on Sunday, uh, we heard about two women, one at the top of the social scale and the other who was in the dregs of humanity. Two women whose lives were changed for the better. And we saw that no one is so good that they don't need the word of God and that no one is so bad that they can't be offered the word of God. And we said, summing that up means that we've all sinned, but whosoever will may come, may come to Jesus. As these two women did, and they became one in Christ. How? By coming to God through the power of the blood shed by Jesus on Calvary's cross. And they now love God. And they know that God loves them. And all things are working together so that God's purpose will be fulfilled. And so far, as we heard last week, we've heard of two sinners who will not perish. 
We heard about Lydia. She accepts Jesus as her saviour. Her home becomes a base for Paul and Silas to take the good news of Jesus into the city of Philippi. And we heard that a slave girl is also freed from the evil hands of the men who owned her. And at the same time, she's freed from the hold that Satan and sin had on her. Paul and Silas love God. And all things are working together. God's purpose is being fulfilled. This is good. But what can be good about what will happen next? Well, let's find out. If we go to our passage um, that we've been looking at, back to what was happening in this city of Philippi, and what happened after this slave girl became a believer in Jesus. Well, in verse 19 of Acts 16, when our owners realised that the hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them out into the marketplace to face the authorities. You see, these men... They had no concern for the welfare of this girl. Their only thought was the effect that this would have on their wallets. And they wanted revenge, and you can sense the anger as we're told that they dragged, actually dragged Paul and Silas and dragged them before the courts. And in verse 20, they brought them before the magistrates and said, These men are Jews and are throwing our city into uproar. Remember that we've said that Philippi was a Roman colony. And the first accusation was that they were Jews. Remember, this is Philippi, a city that doesn't even have a synagogue. You might ask, well, Luke was with him. Why wasn't Luke arrested? Well, that's probably because Luke is a Gentile. He's not a Jew. They just arrested Paul and Silas because they were Jews. And then their next accusation was against the gospel. Verse 21, by advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept or practice. And then as we read through this text, what we see next is it turns to mob rule, which then led to a kangaroo court and led to a violent attack on two innocent men so verse 22 of our chapter the crowd joined in and attacked in the crowd joined in the attack against paul and silas and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods in all things god works for the good for those who love him hmm. where's the good in all this where is god in all this well, you think this is bad, but it's about to get much worse. If we read through to verse 23 and 24, after they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. And when he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. How could things move so fast from and being welcomed into a house and then to be thrown into a hostile jail. They came from a golden opportunity for Paul and Silas to be able to spread the gospel in the city of Philippi. 
to being locked away from other human contact. And you know, this jailer took his job seriously, didn't he? Yeah. He's presented with two weak men who've just been beaten, their backs bleeding from a severe flogging. But he didn't put them just in any cell. He put them in the inner cell, where they would probably be chained to the wall. But also, he fastened their feet in stocks. You see, he wasn't taking any chances, was he? How can the Lord allow this to happen to them? Where is God now? Wouldn't it have been much better for the magistrates to have made them pay a fine and then to give them permission to go into town and continue to preach the gospel? Uh, I reckon Paul and Silas must have been feeling pretty miserable by now. Well, let's find out. As we go to verse 25. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the other prisoners were listening to them. This is while they are still shackled and chained. So what's good about this? Well, first of all, the other prisoners, prisoners who, who by the way, are also shut off from society are listening and they're hearing the name of the Lord being praised and they're watching the reaction of two Christian men as they deal with suffering and hardship. You know, when I was thinking about this, I was reminded of the words of a hymn that Bethel's Boy, Boys Brigade used to sing and Derek will know this one. And the chorus goes, they're watching you, marking all you do, hearing the things you say. Let them see the Saviour as he shines in you. Let his power control you every day. You know, let me read them again because this is what's happening here in this prison. They're watching you. Yeah, they were. They're marking all you do. Yes, they are. They're hearing all the things you say. Well, let them see the Saviour as he shines in you. Let his power control you every day. You see, what Paul, Silas and the other prisoners and the jailer didn't know. And this is what they didn't know. They didn't know that they were about to see and hear the power of the Lord in a way that they didn't expect it. And in a way that would they would always remember. A tale that they would tell to anyone and everyone who would listen. They were there. They were involved. They saw it. They heard it. And in verse 26, this is what it was. Suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. You know, I'm not surprised at what happened next because verse 27, the jailer woke. Well, he would, wouldn't he? And when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. In his mind, better to die quickly in preference to being beaten to death at the magistrate's orders. Well, verse 28, but Paul shouted, don't harm yourself, we are all here. 
the we are Paul, Silas and all the prisoners. Why are all the prisoners still there? Because it's God's will. And God's will is that none should perish. Whosoever will may come, no matter how good or how bad they are. They all need to hear how Jesus died for them. So we come to verse 29. The jailer called for lights. He rushed in and he fell trembling before Paul and Silas. You know, he, like all the prisoners, must have heard the words of the songs that they were singing, words of praise to God. He would have heard the prayers that they prayed, thanking God and asking God to forgive those who had treated them so harshly. The Lord was at work in his heart. The seed had been sown, a seed that brought him to the point where he asked the question of Paul and Silas, and that's in verse 38. He then brought them out and asked, says, what must I do to be saved? Can you see how all things are working together? Can you see that it's God who is in control? And verse 31, they, that's Paul and Silas, replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. We know now that the jailer and his family sat and listened while Paul and Silas shared the good news of Jesus. How he told them that Jesus had come to save his people from the penalty of sin. Paul would have told them about his life, about his teaching, about his death, and about his resurrection and his ascension. And you know, on hearing these things, their lives were changed. 32 to verse 34, Then they spoke the words of the Lord to him, and all the others in the house. And at that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. Then immediately he and all his household were baptized. The jailer brought them into the house and set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God. He and his whole family noticed that they had all, as individuals, come to believe in God by the power of the blood of Jesus that was shed on Calvary's cross. But you know, it's not over yet. Paul and Silas. You see, the news of this event had spread throughout the city. And we read in verse 35 and 36, when it was daylight, the magistrates sent their officers to the jailer with the order, release these men. The jailer told Paul, the magistrates have ordered you and Silas to be released. Now you can leave and go in peace. It's not that easy. You see, those magistrates had made a big mistake, a bigger mistake than they realized. And in verse 7, this is what Paul could say. Paul said to the officers, they beat us publicly without a trial. Yeah? Well, he goes on, he says this, even though we are Roman citizens, and they threw us into prison. And now, 
Do they want to get rid of us quietly? No. Let them come themselves and escort us out. You see, the mistake the magistrates had made was that they didn't know that although Paul and Silas were Jews, they both held full Roman citizenship. And it was a crime for a Roman citizen to be treated as they had been treated. So verse 38 and 39, the officers reported this to the magistrates and when they heard that Paul and Silas were Roman citizens, they were alarmed. They came to appease them and escort them from the prison, requesting them to leave the city. Why was this important? Well, this would mean that these magistrates would think twice about treating any other Christian the way that they had treated them. And in verse 40, after Paul and Silas came out of prison, they went to Lydia's house where they met with the brothers and sisters and encouraged them. Then they left. But what did they leave behind? Well, they left behind a city that had seen and heard the power of God. They left behind a small group of believers who they had met by the river One of them a well-to-do woman, the other a slave girl and a jailer and his family who were all able to meet in Lydia's house to praise the Lord, to sing songs and pray together as Paul and Silas did in prison. And the whole city would have known about this. A group that grew into the church at Philippi. You know, news travels fast. The whole city would have heard about everything. They would have heard about this non-jailbreak. Remember, the prisoners would have been there. And they stayed there. And they witnessed what happened that night. And the seed of the gospel had been sown in their hearts too. Some would have borne fruit. Souls freed from the power of sin. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him who have been called according to his purpose. That's the verse, Romans 8, verse 28. (laughs) We've heard something of Paul's experiences that meant that he could say those words from his heart because he lived them. The question for us this morning, do you think that it's a coincidence that all these things happened? No. It was God at work. Okay, here's another question. Do you think that it's a coincidence that you are here this morning? No. You are here because God wants you here. His desire is that none should perish. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you that you speak to us in many different ways and your purpose is that we might know the truth of the gospel and that we might accept Jesus as our saviour. And if we've done that, Lord, well, we can praise you and sing hymns together as we worship you in the name of Jesus. But if there's any who haven't done that yet, well, that seed has been sown in their hearts and that seed has the potential to grow and to grow into a new life. And we pray that by the power of your Holy Spirit, this will happen, that souls will be saved, that your will might be done. And we ask these things in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.